0: Welcome to another episode of Artbox. I'm your host, Jason. In this episode, I sit down with Joseph Shetland in the studio. I ask Joseph how he got a start, what his philosophy and aesthetics of his work is, and what and how much influences affect his work. With that, let's go to the interview. All right, so I want to say thank you again for, for taking your time to doing this interview. I say that to everybody, I know, but it's true. I do mean it. Thank you, because, you know, it's a, you could be doing some work right now, and here I am taking time away from doing work. Um, so I want to ask you this question. Um, how did you get your start down this path of the visual arts? Visual arts.
1: Um, first, I, I, I guess... In high school, I was into wood shop and woodworking, and um, took an art class later in high school. But woodworking was was what I was into. Um, and then when I once I went to college, uh, you know there was no shop at the small liberal arts school I went to, so uh, I took ceramics the first semester and turned. Turns out I don't like ceramics, <laughs> uh, but water. I took watercolor the second semester and uh, and, and really got into that. So, um, and because I had more art credits than anything else, they, you know, listed me as an art major, and I didn't argue it. I just kept going down that path. Once I graduated, I went back to working custom homes in Phoenix. And decided at some point I didn't want to be 40 with no knees, no back and no health insurance. And so quit that job and started with teaching after school art through the city. And I was piecing it together with, with different things. Um, moved out to DC in 2010. well, yeah, taught K through 8, then for a while. Uh, public school, moved out to D.C. in 2010, worked as a guard at the Phillips, and just the whole time just drawing and painting. Early on, it was a a, a huge mixture of things, illustrations, sculpture, you name it. I was doing it because I had space um, in Phoenix. Uh, And then once I moved to D.C., Living in a studio apartment, the only space I had was to draw. And so started building up a portfolio. Initially, I was thinking of going in to get my M.A.R.C. degree, Master in Architecture, and uh, couldn't give up the art. So, and uh, I'm glad but, you didn't. Yeah, ended up going with the MFA. So just kept at it. It's just the only thing that's really been kind of consistent over the past
0: couple of years. 15
1: <laughs> years. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So a uh, kind of a follow-up question to that is that, so when you were teaching, uh, were you teaching arts to kids or? Were you, yeah.
1: And um, what was your
0: favorite thing to teach them? Oh boy. I mean, if you can. Well,
1: <laughs> the, I had uh, special needs kindergarten all the way through eighth grade. So there was different challenges, uh, definitely with the different age groups. I liked the older kids though. It was, it was fun because they start to understand sarcasm and. You know, you you really get a sense of uh, which kids are really smart and gifted. And I don't know, probably just just trying to, it wasn't even necessarily art that I think I enjoyed teaching. Just a lot of those kids, I worked in a school that was 99% Hispanic in Phoenix, and a lot of those kids hadn't been out of their neighborhood ever in their life. Uh, never been to downtown Phoenix, never been to a museum, never. So it's just, um, trying to expose them to other opportunities in our city, um, for them to go experience things, um, you know, give them a, a different perspective, uh, hopefully. And then I, I also coached, uh, fifth and sixth grade basketball. And I think I probably got the most joy out of that. That was a lot of fun. We were terrible. We didn't, but want... you had fun doing it. Yeah. And that's yeah, all yeah. that matters. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, kind of pivoting from that, uh, um, how would you describe your body of work? I mean, from your early career to your career now?
1: Oh boy. I mean, it's so different. Uh, the watercolors I was doing, you know, back then were photorealistic portraiture. Um, and now i'm doing non objective grids yeah that's a crazy but it's path all, to it's all it's all been detailed. it's all there's a sense of control for sure i guess you know that's a response to uh, knowing that i have i don't really have control and really i mean i do and i don't but but life comes at you and and um, a lot of things happen outside your control, and it's probably just a um, an opportunity for me to exercise some control in my life. Wow, that's, um, that's
0: pretty deep. Uh,
1: I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine.
0: I, I I got you. I mean, because the common thread is seems like would have to be patience. Yeah,
1: I in in school, even some in grad school, my my professors were always telling me to loosen up in in my work and try more things faster and I always felt I had kind of this set of rules that I wanted to that I was imposing on myself that I didn't necessarily I couldn't let them go like I just couldn't so you know I would do exercises where I would produce a few things that were looser yeah uh and satisfy them a bit and then go back to what i was making and and it was less so in, in grad school they kind of let you do what you want to do um but definitely in undergrad it was um it was tough um,
0: i can i can uh yeah i can relate to that because like in in, in undergrad they do want you to you know uh, learn everything. a new method they want you to try everything do everything and it's it's like I, I I respect that. It's like you want to get out of your comfort yeah. zone because you might find something that you like. But at the same time, you kind of got where you're at because of your own establishment of of what you right. were doing.
1: And in in grad school, it was it was coming more from I would say peers, because uh, there was there was kids in there that had come straight from undergrad, and they were still kind of in that mentality. They didn't know exactly what they wanted to get out of their work. And so they were trying lots of things and they would look at my work and they'd be like, Oh, well, you're just making the same thing you made when you came in. You're not, you haven't developed. And I'm looking at my work and I'm like, it's so different. Like I've broken out of all of my, uh, previous sets of rules. And I mean, there's a few, uh, things that correlate between the work and it's, It's usually just repetition, detail, yeah.
0: Well, that does speak to- Time. Right. I mean, it's time and it's a a different form of space, but it is space. And um, it is amount of patience. I mean, it does say, your work does say that. I mean, when when we first talked, you know, it, it definitely, that's what stuck out to me, you know, and so for someone to kind of just say that they're not really thinking, they're just looking at the surface, not beyond the surface, in my humble opinion.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, you know it, it, they do take time and there is that aspect of time because it's repetitious patterns, um, you know. But I I have to give credit to like other artists, painters, people that work in oil. Like <laughs> those paintings take months, and mine do not. Uh, those are a different but, form of patience, right? right yeah, right.
0: Because that's that's waiting for it to to dry. <laughs> You know, yours is about, you know, line placement, line width, line, how dark, how the value of it, you know, uh, where, uh, how it's going to react to the the surface, you know, and um, so it, that's a different form of patience. I mean, patience do takes many forms of things. So I, I guess that is uh, one way how you would describe your work is, is definitely that. So, uh, speaking of which, what, uh, is your approach or your practice towards your work when you start a new uh, piece of work?
1: Oh man. Um, I usually sketch things out. Um, you know, I might get a, a substrate and, um, think of the best five options, uh, formal decisions that I'm making. And then, uh, sometimes it changes along the way. Sometimes it doesn't, uh process i then it's it's the prepping the surface and and that surface quality is uh very important if i don't have that then uh, there's just not much to look at uh in the work um because it's 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 a lot about the contradiction of that surface quality and um, the line work um, <laughs> I don't know if that answered any of the questions,
0: or oh no, no, that answered the question. question. I mean, it it because I, I kind of wanted to do a follow up question of um, it, is it a part of a meditation or a process in that sense, or do you sit down and um, kind of just write it down or, or or quickly sketch out what you want to do? Something comes to mind, you want to write it down, and then you do it. Or
1: yeah, I don't know if it's a meditation. Um... You know, certain certain compositions and uh, ideas come to me. I'll jot them down. I'll forget about them. I'll look back through my sketchbook and find the note and think, "Oh, maybe it's about time to do that piece." Yeah, I don't know if it's a meditation so much, but it is a a practice, um, and it's a drive, a pressure that is in the back of my head constantly. Of like, you need to you need to go make things. Um, you need to get these ideas out somebody somebody might like them i don't know um and just the satisfaction of of completing a piece um hanging it up it's worth it I guess.
0: do you ever have a problem with the the blank canvas syndrome or by the time you approach your your work you're like i'm you jump right in because you know there's some people who get that kind of hold back at first because they're like it's clean it's smooth there's nothing to it
1: um yeah i mean i There's always a struggle to get started on something, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's, it's not nearly as bad as it used to be. I think pressure, like I have deadlines and things to get done. So try not to procrastinate too much.
0: Hashtag adulting, right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What is your
1: philosophy in aesthetics of your work? So the, the minimal, aspect of the work it loosely comes out of uh, I, I blame my Mennonite upbringing and that emphasis on uh simplicity in in living a simple life now there's contradictions to that everywhere which in my opinion uh great art is filled with contradictions so I purposely don't have any pop culture or references to politics or anything like that in my work. But then again, uh, because I think those are distractions and certainly they date artwork uh, and and not that I have anything against political artwork or anything like that. I think there's a time and place for that for sure. Um, it's just not my my thing to do. But the absence of that can be taken as a, political statement in a in a way. Yeah, I could see and that I'm, I then I'm see refusing to give uh time and uh and energy to, yeah. to that. Yeah. I certainly have my opinions, but but I don't put it in my work. Yeah, and then that time aspect, uh you know, Mennonites tend not to be artists because I would assume it's uh, most most Mennonites have service jobs, um, careers in nursing, education, tradesmen, a lot of social work, stuff like that, where there's this clear path to helping people. So you're definitely outside the bell curve. There. Um, right. And so if there are Mennonite artists, there's a lot of potters because it's pragmatic and it offers something useful. Um that's clear. Um, not saying that my art doesn't offer anything. And I think, I mean, it could be a reminder that things are hectic, there's politics, everything's going on, and we need to we need time and space to to get away from that. Yeah, that's a good um, point. Yeah. But uh the the you know the there's a quilting tradition as well in the in Mennonite culture. So um i remember growing up going to quilt auctions uh (laughs) there's
0: such a thing yeah oh wow
1: um i didn't know that yeah so you know there would be uh, a large room where all the quilts are on display you can tour them before the auction happens and then it's a tip they bring them up on stage and people bid and whatever Um, And I remember walking through the rows of quilts and maybe, like, touching one or something, and an old woman, like, with a head covering, like, slapping my hand, like, don't touch it. The oils on your hand are going to ruin the quilt. Oh. And, or something, you know, and just being like, "Uh, I don't know you, lady. Like, leave me alone. (laughs) Uh, What are you talking about oils on my hand? My hands are clean. Um, But, you know, then I... I was a guard at the Phillips collection for two years and it's the same thing. Don't touch the painting. Like the oils on your hand are going to ruin the painting. So there's correlation, you know, and, and when I I had moved to DC in 2010, went back in to Phoenix in 2012 to go to grad school at Arizona state uh, for my MFA. And uh, I went To my home congregation, and uh people, you know, came up to me and welcome back, what are you doing back? Uh I told them I'm going to grad school and get my MFA, and they're like, What's that? And I said, Master of Fine Arts, and they're like, Oh, so you're painting portraits, and I said, No. Uh, and they're like, Oh, so you do abstract art? And then my response to that was typically sure, yeah, because I wasn't about to start explaining. The difference between <laughs> abstraction and non-objective and whatever and at the time I was making kind of just these uh kind of mandala-esque repetitious mark making ink drawings on paper so yeah there was this disconnect and I felt this kind of this struggle of I guess being accepted in in that community and being gone for a while that it that it wasn't mine. I mean, there's so many cultural things that are still like ingrained in me. And that never goes away. The, right. The yeah. work is what it is. And um, my character, my worldview is what yeah. it is. And so meanwhile, in school, I was making these circles and I was wanted to figure out why am I making circles? Why am I? Why am I drawn to this repetitive mark making? I had no idea why. So I started with an exercise of how many different ways can I make a black circle. Hmm. And so I was doing I was doing these little studies of just different mediums, paint, charcoal, graphite, ink, whatever, making black circles, different marks, hash marks, straight lines. Did you show scribble, these works? Uh just to my professors. Oh, I don't think okay. I ever showed them in a show. And One of my professors, I'll I'll name drop, uh, Henry Schobel, who went to UMD for grad school, he said, this is too much, focus on one. So I grabbed one that it was a mark that I must have either liked what it looked like or I felt comfortable making over and over again and made a huge series of small studies of this same mark, different values, I'd alter it. Each one was different, but the same. And then that started shifting into, well, what can I do with this mark and this circle? How can I break it up to create more images of this? And it got me thinking about when I was was first a guard at the Phillips, there was a Robert Ryman show up and um, I kind of hated it. And it's was like, this is a, this is a joke. This guy's taking everybody for their money. And then you start learning about his back. Okay. He was a guard. He was a jazz musician, trained jazz musician. Uh, and then he was a guard at the MoMA and thought, you know, Oh, this, these guys are painting. I can paint. So can I'm going to, I'm going to paint. And, you know, then a major collector sees his work buys it and the rest is history. Right. And he was always like, he claims to be a realist painter. The paint, he's painting a white painting about white paint. Essentially, you know, it's yeah. Yeah. I'm, I am actually familiar with the work. Yeah. So, you know, for a jazz musician, he's like, I'm just letting the paint be paint. Like I like, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. It's simple, but you know, oh. thoughtful and really accurate. And there's a lot of beauty. When you start breaking down works of art, you know, what, what are things that you're attracted to? What What are the beautiful things in a painting? And for him, it was the characteristics of paint, you know, seemingly. Seemingly. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's, it gets more complex than that, but that show had some influence on me. And so I guess his white is my mark at the time. And that's kind of what I developed. So then I started using that mark to... I started pulling in. Well, the repetition, I was thinking about repetition, the time, and just looking back on my life, it was in how I look at artwork. My time as a guard influenced me in that. Some of the paintings that I hated when I first showed up ended up being my favorites when I left. Some of the ones that I thought were my favorites when I first showed up at first glance, quick glance, ended up being forgettable to me. You know, like... You see one Van Gogh, you've seen them all. Maybe whatever. I, I love the paintings. Well, but yeah, yeah it's like you but, said, yeah. But and I probably learned more about painting in my two years as a guard than I did in undergrad. <laughs> just, just from no, I
0: you're no, preaching no to offense, the choir. No offense to my professors, <laughs> and no they okay, were all and no great, offense to the educational system. Right,
1: great professors, <laughs> great experience. But I, you know, I went to school in. Heston, Kansas, which is half an hour north of Wichita. It's a town of like 3,000. The school was 300 students. And then I transferred to Goshen College, where I'm originally from in Indiana, and that was 1,000 students. And so, you know, the closest city was Chicago, and it was two hours away. So I didn't know what the art world was. And in school, like, you know, When I was in school, we were still being taught to uh, shoot slides and tape them off. And that's how you submit for shows.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then I
1: got out in the real world and everything changed like that year. And so I didn't, I just didn't know. So being a guard at the, at the museum, you see everything you see behind the scenes, you see the install, you see the curators walking through and setting things up. You see their interns researching in the basement, in the library you see um you know the art handlers you see you see everything and the amount of work that goes into it and then you spend so much time with the work and you start to understand how the paintings were made if you know anything you know about the painting process you start to be able to dissect the paintings and and that's why i think i learned more about painting And now i don't claim to be a painter
0: Basically, this sounds like this is a pretty profound experience for you then. It it sounded like it it morphed your original aesthetics or in ideas that you had. And then the time you were there, it basically started to change your whole perception of your aesthetics and everything. So I guess you could safely say that it started to kind of affect the work that you were making at that time.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I started qualities that the time, spending work with or time with the work, growing in appreciation, craftsmanship the quality of the materials, all those things are things that kind of come out of quilting tradition, the woodworking tradition yeah. in Mennonite culture. And so those are the aspects of the work that I like to focus on because it's relatable to
0: the that working part class. of my,
1: my culture. So yeah. um, I started uh, borrowing quilt uh, patterns To use in my drawings as visual cues to to make that relationship, to make those ties. And working on gridded paper, making the drawing these kind of quilt designs, blowing them up to large-scale drawings that I hung on the wall, and started appreciating the grid as a subject rather than a tool. And that's kind of where I am on the grid now, it is subject, but it's also a tool in this work, um, you know, because it gives you values, it gives you formal qualities to the work. But I'm still kind of referencing the quilts in the patterns that emerge or the, the piecing yeah. of, of the works.
0: Well, I also love the textures so, when you prep the surface. Because right. you can't really ever control a surface. I mean, you can. I've done it myself. You can make it very smooth as you can, but you're trying to remove, you know, when you're doing something like that, you're trying to remove the human element out of that. Right. But what I liked about your work and what I gravitated to when we talked uh, when, uh, during your show was the fact that you kind of kept it in there. You didn't try to remove that human element in there. And uh, that's what struck me.
1: Yeah. Anytime I make a, uh, you know, anytime I screw up or there's a little mistake, I just leave it. I think the, um, the evidence of the human hand is, is important. Um, so it's, it's minimal, uh, but it's, it's out of line with a lot of the minimalists, the, the definitions yeah. of what people know, you know, Donald Judd or yeah. folks like that where, where stuff is perfect, kind of a perfect right. fit and clean lines and whatever. Or along the lines of like Agnes, Martin, where there's more human quality to it.
0: Yeah, I personally like that because there is a certain amount of inherent organicness that I honestly think as a human you can't escape from. You know, that's just my, part of my whole world philosophy. I mean, we, I could probably do a whole episode on my philosophy because um, it's always evolving. But um, the fact of the matter is, is that there is a certain amount of aesthetics that really did transform, and, um, but you kept the humanity within there. It, that's what I'm referring to as in the texture work. So that I, I, that's what I like. So,
1: yeah, and it's 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 fun. I, in grad school, I also got the opportunity to to um, play with how I displayed the work. the The, the large works were done on uh, photo background paper, so they were six feet by six feet ish. Yeah. Um, and what I did was pin them on the wall, and then built uh, kind of a negative a knife edge frame that hung on a cleat over top of them and then I drywalled out was from this that. a French
0: cleat or yeah okay
1: yeah and so essentially it appeared that the drawings were inside the wall um using the wall to frame it and, and that wall that kicked out that I built covered up all the plugs all yeah. the light switches all that stuff that I thought were visual distractions yeah So, yeah, there was an element where I had this little room that I had built that had like a small doorway. So you had to duck to go inside. So you're quieting yourself. And then inside there was one drawing displayed that I changed out each day of the exhibition. And composition, the kind of outline of the piece was the same, on all 12, but the geometric shapes that made up the composition on the inside of it were different. And so the point of that being, if somebody came back every day of the exhibition, they would put themselves in that room, remove themselves from all the other distractions, sound, visual, whatever, be able to focus enough on that drawing that they could see those subtle changes in the work. So there's an aspect of if I had the opportunity of like quietness in viewing the work um, as well as when I, when I make it, you know, and I think about spaces where I've felt the most comfortable. And I think about uh, the churches I grew up in and these um, kind of boxes with, with diffused light. And I think that's like the perfect setting to, to kind of show work in depending on the work, but the work I tend to like.
0: Right. Yeah. So, um, Speaking of which, what kind of mediums that you, you like to use the most?
1: Graphite, mostly, because simple. It's, you know, and at the end of the day, it's what I need to make art is pencil and paper. That's about as basic as it gets. That, that is basic. Um, yeah. And anybody can do that. It's accessible. You can draw anywhere. You can sit on a park bench. And that was part of my philosophy when I was applying to grad school was, I'm not going to take a painting class. I'm not going to take a sculpture class because that practice is not sustainable for me. If I, because I see myself living either in DC or another big city, just the practicality, the affordable—you know—you need space. You need. To say you just need less space. You need storage and not knowing if I'll have that security at any point. I'm going to focus on what I can do with drawing. Yeah. So mostly graphite. But now that I've had a stable. Uh, studio practice for a while it's developed into more things Um, i'm using a lot of silver point now and um actually soon to be uh encaustics so playing playing with some wax yeah i gotta check in with you after you get into that yeah we'll see how it goes it could be (laughs) i'm actually kind of curious where you're gonna
0: It could be the most fantastic thing you've ever come up with, or it could be the most disastrous. Right. But you won't know until you play right. with it, so or work and with
1: it, it. And it comes back to like I, I'm I'm searching for you know right now I'm really into surface quality, yeah, and these worked surfaces, and so that's what I'm shooting for. And I I feel like with with wax I'll be able to achieve some surfaces that will so add definitely be a, a
0: yeah. new dimension, yeah. yeah. Of exploration, And you can do a lot of studies, and I hope to see that. So I, I want to move on to one of my favorite questions that uh, when I, I told you about it earlier, you kind of were <laughs> a little scared to answer this one. But um, what advice would you give your past self and to other artists?
1: Past self, I would say um, I probably should have just gone for it sooner and maybe had a little bit more confidence in what I was doing. But then at the same time, it's a process, it's a journey, and you, you figure it out along the way. I guess if I didn't struggle, then then it wouldn't be as rich as it is. I don't know. Um, I would say just yeah, have confidence, more confidence, and and just in what you're doing, and make the work that you want to make, uh, and stop fooling around with uh, small little things to make money here and there, like. Just, just go for it. Just stay focused. Focus on the big picture. Yeah. Um, advice to other artists: again, stay focused. Meet as many people as you can. Put yourself out there and um, educate yourself in experiences and uh, not necessarily with school, but but like I said, with the museum. Yeah. You know, that was an education for sure. Don't be afraid to ask for advice and help listen to people's stories yeah i guess that would be it <laughs>
0: <laughs> well thank you again for taking the time to do the interview thank I appreciate you it. thank no, you for coming thank you no problem it's fun i'd like to say thank you to joseph for taking time to do the interview if you want to learn more information about joseph you can go to his website that's www.josephshetler.com once again that is josephshetler.com you can also find him on instagram and that's joseph j shetler which is j-o-s-e-p-h-j-a-y-s-h-e-t-l-e-r to hear the full length of this episode and past episodes go to artbox's mixcloud page at Mixcloud.com backslash artbox in the DNV. And you can go to our website at artboxdnv.com. Our Instagram page is ArtboxDNV. And our Twitter handle is at artdnv. Until next time, thank you for listening.